Hi there, a quick note before we begin the episode. Did you know that Atlas Lingue has its own audiobook with exclusive and brand new material? It's called Atlas Lingue, the layers of language behind everyday life. In this audiobook, we share additional exclusive commentaries on each episode with brand new insights and examples on the subject that we can't stop thinking about, how humans translate everything that comes their way. Also remember, when you buy Ochenta's audiobooks, you're directly supporting our independent audio series productions. So find Atlas Lingue, the layers of language behind everyday life, on Libro.fm, Apple Books, Google Play, Storytel, BookBeat, and on your favorite audiobooks app. Hello, dear listeners of Atlas Lingue. I'm your host, Luis Lopez, and we're off this week. But we decided to pop in here to let you know about a special show we wanted to share with you that we think you'll enjoy. What's the one secret you've never told anybody? Welcome to The Secret Room, a podcast about the true stories no one ever tells, hosted by Ben Ham. If you're a true story fan and you can't get enough of people's most intimate dreams, desires, and shame, you will love The Secret Room. On episode 136, The Long Shadow, Ben Ham's guest Robert tells us about a secret everyone in his family knew about him that he himself only learned at age 35. The secret had a profound impact on Robert's life, causing him to reconsider important decisions and to reframe relationships within his family. Stick around to listen to that episode and check out more of their stories wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to HelloFresh for supporting The Secret Room. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Secret12 and use code Secret12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. Thanks also to Feels. Feels has me feeling my best every day, and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to Feels.com slash Secret, and you'll get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Hey, what's your secret? So when I was a teenager, I would get really annoyed with my little sister. (laughs) You know, she was my little sister. Sometimes little sisters are brats. And she had this pink teddy bear that she carried around with her everywhere. It was like her little sidekick. She'd talk to it all the time, and she'd make it talk back to her in this high-pitched voice. This bear was always around. (laughs) So sometimes, when I was just so annoyed with her that I couldn't take it anymore, and she would leave the house... I would take out my frustrations on this bear. I would throw it against the wall. I'd squash it between my hands as hard as I could. I'd push its nose into its face. I'd sit on it. I just got out all my anger by torturing this bear. And then I'd put it right back where I found it like nothing had happened. And she never knew. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. Why would nobody tell me? My wife was out of her mind, like, oh my God, do you know this? Like, I know, I know, I know. Today, the story of an existential struggle. 
They're just completely astonished. And he was too. He's like, oh my God, this is insane. The pit's injustice against the rewards it may reap. But it really was just because of this outstanding secret. That was really the only reason. Wow. My guest tells us how he unwittingly discovered a secret about himself. She's like, everybody knew. Damn. And that's when I was like, you know, had to like sit down. There were clues scattered about his life. And I remember her saying, Robert, what is this on your chest? And when things started to come together, Robert had to make a move. Yeah, are you feeling a little nervous at this point? But you know, I was kind of... I was, yeah, I was feeling a little nervous, I think, yeah. Because the cost of doing nothing could have been great. This isn't a Hollywood movie. This isn't, this isn't going to work out. Today, The Secret Room presents The Long Shadow. Hi, Ben. My name is Robert, and my secret is really a reverse secret. My family never told me about something I experienced as a child. Not knowing this one critical fact has had a profound and lasting negative impact on my life. I'm Ben Ham. Okay, we are ready to go. You all comfortable? I'm good to go. Okay, terrific. All right. Hi, Robert. Welcome to the secret room. Hey, Ben. What's up, man? Not too much. Thank you for having me, sir. Yeah. So when you submitted your secret, you called it a reverse secret. Why is that? Well, in this case, everybody and my family knew about the secret except me. So I found out much later in life what everybody in my family, my immediate family had already known. I guess it all started when, you know, I think I was between four and five years old. And that's when the secret was kept initially. So I didn't really know about it for my whole life until, you know. How old were you when it came out? I was 35 years old when I finally found out wow. the secret. Yeah, I know. So apart from the secret that was kept from you as a child and then into adulthood, can you tell me what it was like at home? You know, did you have a pretty normal, as far as you knew, a pretty normal uh, childhood <laughs> growing up and, you know, relationship with your family? Yeah, man. Everything was totally great. Grew up, you know, in the suburbs. You know, we had everything we needed growing up. We weren't exceptionally rich. We weren't exceptionally poor, just straight middle class. And I, I mean, everything was really great. I did know at some point that for a few years when I was younger, I was like sick and had to get shots, but it was like, all right, whatever. And after that went away, I grew like a weed, like everybody else and was healthy and happy. You know, as I got a little older and you get older, you kind of see your parents in slightly different ways. So at that point, I kind of realized there were some issues with my dad that were different. <laughs> he was a great provider when we were young. But I think as I grew older, I began to realize that he was just really controlling and just, I mean, for lack of a better term, kind of like mean and strict. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, that as I got older, I learned more about that and, and how to deal and how to manage with that as I kind of watched my older siblings work their way through it. How many siblings do yeah, you have? I have three siblings total. My sister is the oldest. And then I have two brothers right after her. And then I'm the youngest by like eight or nine years. And so you said you were observing your father 
with your siblings. Did he treat you differently than the others? I always thought he did. And I'll be honest, I always was like, I get treated different because I'm smart enough to see the mistakes they made and I don't make those same mistakes. <laughs> okay. That was my initial take on it, being younger and being a younger kid. As I got older, I began to see the same behavior from him towards me. And it was really all about, you know, exerting your independence in thought from your father. So that's a normal process everybody goes through as an adult is becoming an independent thinker. In my particular family, then that began to create lots of strife and static and just, you know, typical bullshit. Was he overly strict? I mean, would you would you characterize his behavior? Um, I, I, I think if you took sort of an academic approach to his behavior, you would call him a real strong narcissistic personality. Okay. I think if you look at growing up, yeah, he was like definitely strict. We had chores, you know, called him, had to refer to him as sir and ma'am. Oh, wow. All of us growing up all day on Saturday and Sunday, we just did work around the house, like chop wood, paint, work on cars, just work around the house all day. Get up early Saturday, get up early Sunday and just do shit around the house all day. Like not exaggerating. Like when I got married, for example, my wife <laughs> were hanging out. I'd be up at like seven. It's like, come on, let's, we have stuff to do. And she's like, what do we have to do? We have a one bedroom apartment and it's Saturday. <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah. I don't know, but there's things to do. <laughs> it stuck with you. <laughs> so, it just, it really stuck with me. So there was that kind of stuff. Just to give you some more graphic examples really quickly. Ben, for example, when my sister was at her college, she decided to enroll and stay in a co-ed dorm and- she made that decision and we drove her up to college and we got there and the dorm was co-ed. That was insane. My dad lost his mind and she was not in a co-ed dorm when we left. Wow. Um, so he only found was, out when you got up there. He only found, yeah, but you know, she's was an adult at this point. That's kind of her decision to make. Right. But that wasn't happening. So there was lots of yelling and screaming and it was just a shit show, Ben. And then she wasn't in that dorm anymore. So there was that. I had a sibling that had issues with drugs and he was subsequently thrown out of the house, man. Like, you don't live here anymore. Get your shit and get out. <laughs> so he didn't play, you could say, in one way. Okay. In another way, you could say he was a mean son of a bitch. Okay. Well, he was ruling that household. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. He was ruling that household. He was narcissistic and just very, very just a den of negativity around all the kids. You don't do this. You can't do that. You're not very good at this. Or you'll never get to be this. You should do this. All that kind of shit, man. So, right. yeah, 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 yeah. It sounded to me like, you know, from the secret that you sent to me that you were spared from that a little bit. Yeah. So there were some other aspects to growing up that I learned later was I always had a sense that he, you know, was mentally abusive in his narcissistic way. And I had vague memories of some physical abuse. Once I learned more about my life growing up, I learned from my siblings that, yeah, he was like totally physically abusive to my older siblings. Well, but not to you. Not to me. And that's really what's crazy. It's because of this secret. So it's like I was thought I was being treated differently for some positive reason. I'm not making the same mistake my older siblings made, so I'm good. But it really was just because of this outstanding secret. That was really the only reason. Wow. Yeah. There were some clues, right? In high school, 
that you didn't quite put together until much later after you learned the secret. Yeah, yeah, there was just some weird vagaries that never made sense to me. You know, I was like the tallest kid or one of the taller kids in my class, always. A relatively big, decent-sized guy. And I was like, yeah, I want to play football, Mom and Dad. And they were like, no, you're, you're not big enough to play football. And that was like the story from seventh grade on. So you just kind of accept that, and that's the deal. They were okay with me doing martial arts. I did martial arts for like six or seven years. They were okay with wrestling, but they just weren't okay for football. And they always gave me this sense that I just wasn't big enough to play. Hmm. So that was one thing that just made no sense. And I had this really, this is a really uh, subtle kind of thing, but my handwriting was just a shit show my entire life. And I never understood why. They always used to kind of yell at me about it, like, get your handwriting better, like practice. And then it come to find out that was a result of the secret. That was part of it. That was, you know, part of what had happened. Um, so there was these kind of things that made no sense. And then once the secret was revealed, it was like, oh, that's why they said that all the time. Wow. Or, oh, that's why they could never allow this to happen. Or, oh, that's why... You know, I had stomach pains for like three years and it never made any sense why. And then they just went away. Hmm. And so when you had these stomach pains, mm -hmm. how did your parents treat you? Oh, I. Did they get you Pepto-Bismol or, you know, was there something yeah, else? Yeah, yeah. They would do Pepto-Bismol or, I mean, some of them were relatively persistent. So then they would take me to the doctor and say, he's having these stomach pains. And I have all these different tests and all these kinds of things. Looking back on it now, I realize those tests were for many other reasons in addition to just the stomach pains. It doesn't sound like you were brought in, into the loop as a kid. No, not at all. Not at all, man. And then, you know, suddenly kind of stopped. Okay. And everything was normal. But, you know, I was like a dumb young boy kid. I didn't, you know, I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> awesome. I'm going to go ride my bike now or go punch something. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I wasn't paying that much attention. I wasn't that conscientious. So you're just just a little kid. I think probably about seven or eight years old. Thinking about your bike. <laughs> my bike or my Legos. Mm -hmm, yeah, right. exactly. Exactly. I guess middle school and high school and college, they just kind of progressed normally, right? Yeah. They all went really, really well. You know, I was healthy, happy, had normal set of girlfriends, normal set of great friends, still have some amazing friends from high school now. Went to college, and college was a fantastic experience, very fortunate. Met my wife there. So then we started hanging out and left college and came home and started working for a living. So all's good. Yeah. As far as you knew. Yeah, everything is fantastic. Everything, yeah, everything is good. Everything's fantastic. I mean, there's still some of these, you know, outstanding issues with my dad. Right. Okay. So while we're dating and hanging out, you know, we're working these great jobs and trying to work our asses off, you know, we're children of the 80s. So we're all want to be, you know, Wall Street, you know, basically one night I just got really sick to my stomach, which is abnormal for me because I've been super healthy my whole life. Um, don't get sick or whatever. So at one point I was like, this really, really hurts. And, you know, I was kind of, I was going to grunt it out. And my, my fiance at the time was like, no, dude, we're going to the hospital. And I was like, okay, all right. Which means it was super bad. So we go and the doctor is talking to us a little bit. And um, my wife said, I'm going to call your parents just to let them know. And I was like, whatever. I'm in <laughs> extreme pain. I don't care. 
my dad is talking to my fiance mm-hmm. and says, let me speak to the doctor. Hmm. And the doctor says, okay, okay. Does he know that? And wow. silence and then, okay. And then the doctor kind of says in passing, you should talk to your parents at some point. And we're both like, what? But I'm like in extreme pain and don't care and kind of blew it off. The doctor takes care of me. Everything's resolved. And we kind of just go on, you know, with our life, like whatever. I don't know what that was, you know, whatever. I don't oh my care. Gosh. Um, I'm fine now. And, you know, I know how to manage this. May I ask how you're going to manage this? Mm-hmm. What is the prescription? Yeah, it's um, diverticulitis. So it's just a result of like never drinking water and eating shitty food essentially, and being super stressed. That was the diagnosis from the doctor. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I was like, all right, no big deal. I can manage that. And it hurt bad enough that I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. I haven't had McDonald's since actually. Right. It's okay. been like 30, been like 30 years. Okay. So we go on and, you know, we um, start trying to conceive and we realize it's taking longer than it should. The first thing you go to your fertility doctor and they say, okay, we're going to test the mail first because it's just so much easier. Doctors came back and said, well, your count is really low. The ones you have have great motility, which means they're healthy, but you just don't have that many. And the doctor like, you should ask your parents, was there something going on when you were younger? Now, this is the second time you've heard this. Yes, yes. And I'm starting to get a little bit like, all right, let me clue in a little bit. And then the other thing they mentioned, and hopefully this isn't too graphic, but the doctor said, you know, your testicles are smaller than average. Um, So you should, you know, definitely talk to your parents. So we're like, what the, you know, what the fuck is going on? You know, so we have to figure out this whole in vitro path, but we still got to figure out what's going on with me as well. That's kind of where everything started. Um, Stay with me as clues to Robert's reverse secret begin to come together. Hey guys, I want to talk to you for a quick minute about Feels, the premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep. I've got my Feels right here at the ready. And who, who among us has not had a touch of sleeplessness, anxiety, or chronic pain. I definitely fit into one or all of those categories. How about you? Well, Feels Naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. And it is super easy to use. The directions are clear. There's even text message support or a hotline to call if you need some real human support. I just place a few drops under my tongue and I can start feeling the difference within minutes. There's no high, no hangover, no addiction. Join the Feels community to get Feels delivered to your door every month. You'll save money on every order, and you can pause or cancel at any time. Feels has me feeling my best every day, and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com secret, and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash secret to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash secret. Robert's about to find out the shocking truth about his past. Here we go. So we said, all right, let's let's get this shit figured out. So we called my mom 
Um, because at this point, my father and I have started to be estranged from each other. So call my mom. And I say, hey, ma, you know, this is going on. My mom and I are close. And I said, hey, you know, this is going on. This is what we're trying to figure out. You know, is there something I need to know? So my mom kind of pauses and she says, well, why don't we meet over, you know, lunch and we can talk. Okay. I was like, whoa, that's, that's weird. Yeah. She pick a nice restaurant. <laughs> well, nice for the time. Yeah. Um, we, we went to, um, cheesecake factory. Okay. You know, we had, um, an interesting lunch. We had the avocado egg rolls. Wow. You remember. <laughs> yeah. I, I really remember this very, very clearly. I remember wow. the mall and everything it was a bright, sunny day. I remember the remember the car I had then. Um, and we get to the restaurant and we get drinks and apps and kind of just catch up. I said, so mom, what's up? And she says, well. Yeah. Are you feeling a little nervous at this point or like something's going to drop or are you just, it just sounds a little odd, you know? Well, it feels a little odd. Um, but, you know, I was kind of. I was, yeah, I was feeling a little nervous, I think. Yeah. So we jump into the conversation and my mom very hesitantly and very vaguely says, well, when you were young, you had cancer. Wow. Right. Boom. Boom. Right. And I was like, what the fuck, mom? Like, like I was really, I'll be honest, Ben, I was completely blown away and surprised, but I, have a tendency to kind of just be like, okay, that's cool. I got it. Whatever. No big deal. Yeah. I didn't like lose it in the restaurant. I didn't freak out, but I was super like, what does that even mean? Right. And she gave us a little bit more information. She's like, you had aggressive chemotherapy. And so then that was like, oh, that's what all those fucking shots were every week. That was chemo and that hurt. And I'll, you know, I would go to this doctor once a week, Ben, in, in the at the hospital and I hated it and when it was time to get the shot it took like four or five doctors and nurses to hold me down I'm not exaggerating I was like I'm not doing it so and my mom was like yes you are and I was like nope and they would have to hold me down and hold me in place and then they would put in the you know the chemo and this was a long time ago so the chemo hurt it was it stings going in and it was a lot of it and it was probably about a good 30 minutes of sitting there just being really unhappy dude that was like a year and a half to two years Year and a half to two years of treatments. And did your mom reveal to you, you know, in the Cheesecake Factory over your spring rolls uh, on this sunny day? Right. What kind of cancer that you had been treated for? Ben, it was so long ago mm -hmm. that my mom either couldn't bring herself to say or really just didn't remember. Wow. To this day, I still don't really know the exact cancer that it was. That's <laughs> crazy yeah it's crazy like how do you not know like how do you not keep that record or whatever my pediatrician at the time was already like 75 years old so he was like long gone and his office was you know way closed so that was kind of the reveal she didn't know the cancer she said you had undergone the big you know aggressive chemotherapy because that's what was recommended and we knew that chemo would stunt your growth for a period of time and could 
affect some things. Like she knew, like basically, like we knew this could happen. And this being that you could have problems conceiving. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. I could have problems conceiving. I didn't grow for a while. That's another clue. Didn't even really notice it. And then I was growing like a weed, like I would grow out of pants in like a month. I had my knees hurt all like crazy growing pains. So we left like we didn't even really get a full lunch because I was like completely crazy. And then also just kind of like, oh, OK, I, I could kind of see that. And my uh, so my wife at the time was out of her mind, like, what the fuck? Like, oh, my God, do you know this? How did they keep it? Well, I was like, yeah. I know, I know, I know. At that point, I was also like, well, my parents aren't bad people, but this isn't great. No. She's like, well, did your siblings know? And I was like, well, how could they know and not tell me? Because we were on our way home on this you know, sunny day, stomachs half full, just with like a thousand questions for each other. And you know, I was like, OK, I have to I'll call my sister. She's the one I'm closest with. And then I remember it as I was kind of driving and we got home and I was just sitting around thinking, I remembered really distinctly that my sister would help take care of me all the time because she was the oldest and I was the youngest. And I remember her very distinctly saying, you know, Robert, what is this on your chest? It's four and a half years old, four years old. I was like, I have no clue. I didn't know. But it was a, a bump and like a big pimple that was sticking out like out of my chest. And I remember her seeing that. I remember exactly where we were, were in my parents' bedroom in front of this huge armoire with this big mirror, um, you know, that old brown glossy wood kind of thing, like right out of, a, you know, the lion, the witch and the wardrobe kind of piece of furniture. Okay. And I remember her saying, listen, I'm going to go show mom. I just remember that very clearly. So I called her and I said, Yo, what, dude, what's, what's this about? She's like, yeah, we knew. I was like, you knew I had cancer, not sick. Like I had cancer. She's like, yes. She's like, everybody knew. Damn. And that's when I was like, you know, had to like sit down. <laughs> right. You know, like when the movies where everything pauses and or goes in slow motion past you, like all those kind of dramatic scenes. Yeah. Like that's when it kind of hit me like, wait. That brother knew, that brother knew too. She's like, dude, we all knew. I was like, well, I'm like, I'm a growing ass man now. Why wouldn't everybody say, hey? Okay. So growing up my whole life, the tumor is on my upper chest. And it's a very prominent scar there where they removed it. And the scar keloided very badly. So it's a very big scar on my chest. My friends would always say, what what happened and i'd always say oh i, I had a cyst removed but <laughs> yeah. when i got to college um you know i grew up here in this area which is very much a city um and i went to college in a very rural small town type of place and my wife who was from a small town she asked me when we were dating what happened so I told her, oh, well, I got shot. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> That's great. And I love that. the best part was she believed me for like four years. And then finally she's like, wait, you didn't get shot? I was like, are you insane? No, I grew up in the suburbs. <laughs> <laughs> I was likely, you know, I was likely to get shot as anybody else. So That's hilarious. 
Then I called my other because I was like, this can't be true. So then I called my other brother and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we knew. I mean, so casually, like, that's why dad never beat the shit out of you because you were sickly. That's why you never got in trouble. I was like, I got in trouble. He's like, not like we got in trouble because you were sick. And I was like, what the fuck, man? I mean, it was so utterly bizarre. And I was was like, well, why wouldn't you? Why would nobody tell me? Even when you were younger, you know, like, fuck that. I'm going to tell you. And that was the whole deal. Like my dad said, I don't want to tell Robert about this. We're going to keep it from him because I don't know why. No fucking clue why you wouldn't just tell. And because of the strict way he ran the house and the mentally and physically abusive nature, you know, my siblings just took that on as that's gospel. We ain't telling him. And that is a powerful thing, that mental and physical abuse, because that carried right on to when they were adults. Nobody circled back and said, hey, dude, when you go to college, you're going to fill out all your health forms. Hey, you need to know this. Like nobody said anything. Yeah. Well, that was going to be precisely my next question. Like, (laughs) why the heck didn't anybody think that this is information that you should have, particularly when your siblings got older? And we're presumably, you know, free from the shackles of the household and and adults functioning on their own, you know, presumably with love for their little brother. Right. They have this critical information that you need to know. Right, dude. Critical. Ben fucking exactly. Yeah. Right. And what was their excuse? Dude, I didn't even ask, man. Yeah. I, I didn't even ask because I was so just let down so disappointed heartbroken angry sad confused that no matter what they said honestly it wouldn't matter you know and i kind of pieced together myself trying to be as empathetic as possible like well and they said you know dad said and i was like well if dad said stuff you don't do it because you don't disobey a lot of us didn't disobey even as we got older and more grown, they still were beholden to that mentality of, you know, abuse. Initially, I kind of just let it go and just was like, well, we have a problem. Well, you know, my wife and I have a problem to solve. We need we want to have babies. What do we do? So we focused on that, man. And, you know, I got some counseling, which was super helpful. I talked to my sister a lot because we've always been close. So I just talked to her a lot to learn more about well, what the hell was life like growing up? And learned a lot and, you know, started to really kind of work through that with my own counselor and try to get my understanding. So once we had our baby, once we had our first baby, I realized I realized I still have a lot of work to do. Like I want to raise this child very differently than I was raised. But coming from this household, my household, we spent a lot of time in conditional states, getting a sense of conditional love. One of the things I began to learn, I'll always be forever grateful to my wife. She came from a household where it was unconditional love. It was a lot to learn there when you're like, I'll be loved if I do this. I will be loved if I achieve these grades. I will be loved if I fucking whatever, you know, make the wrestling team or whatever. She's like, you can't approach your loving your child that way, which I didn't, but I had to understand it more. That began to really sort of affect everything going further as an adult. Like, how do I 
change my own mindset so that I'm not putting these odd conditions on my baby or putting these odd conditions on my children. You know, these any fucking conditions or even conditions with my wife, you know, in our relationship. So, you know, a lot of counseling was really helpful and really just trying to understand like the person that I'm trying to be now. And where do I put all these feelings? My mother had been super supportive of me and all of us to an extent in this abusive relationship. I always was like, well, I love my mom and she's amazing. And none of this was her fault. Well, Ben, after a while, I was like, some of this is on her. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I mean, she's so amazing that I was like, no, she's completely innocent. I can't be mad at her. I'm going to be completely 100% mad at my dad. Well, at some point, you know, I'm having feelings that I don't understand towards my mom. Like, are you coming out for Thanksgiving? Do you want to get together? And I'm like, no, I don't want, I don't want to. I was like, why don't I want to see her? Because, I, you know, I finally had to realize I'm mad at her, too. She should have told me. She's grown. If he didn't, she should have. And it's really that simple. But there's a lot of anger and stuff around that. So I had to really understand being mad at my mom and how to deal and process that, um, which is <laughs> ongoing. Yeah, I'm um, sure. And, you know, how to deal and process it with my siblings, which is ongoing. You can be empathetic to their state in terms of they were abused, so they didn't necessarily know any better. But then you can also hold them accountable to that. Yes, you were abused when you were younger. You didn't like that. You have to take the actions to correct and understand that. You have to admit that that shit hurt your feelings, that you're mad at your dad. And one sibling, my sister, has done that work. And she and I are super close. And two siblings haven't done that work. And, you know, I'm not as close with them. And they don't really understand. Right. Well, that follows. Yeah, that follows. So, yeah. So, Robert, is this something that you can forgive? Ben, that's a fantastic question. It's part of the reason I reached out to do this show with you. If you were in Robert's shoes, could you forgive? Also ahead, did your mother ever reveal to you why they kept the cancer a secret from you? Um, stay with me. Hello Fresh. I am just loving America's number one meal kit. And look out for a new offer. Ready? My listeners can get 12 free meals. 12, including free shipping at HelloFresh.com slash Secret12 and use code Secret12. HelloFresh is perfect for me because, <laughs> come on, I'm just busy, folks. I don't have time for the grocery store and all the planning and whatnot to make a nice meal. I am not even going to ask what you would be serving without HelloFresh, Susie. What? Like you're some gourmet, Ben. Well, I feel like one with HelloFresh. Oh, you need all the help you can get. <laughs> not arguing. Wish you could have had the pork and poblano tacos I whipped up the other night. I'm not kidding, man. Ooh. These things were so good. They had an unexpected topping that made it amazing. Oh, yeah? Yep. It has a kiwi salsa, 
and a cool lime crema. Mm. I mean, honestly, so good. Ooh, that does sound good. And it's so quick. And the pictures they include make it so easy. Oh, I had these beef bulgogi bowls and they were an instant favorite. I think I want to make that one again right now. Yum, Susie. I'm getting hungry again. <laughs> I don't even think you can mess this one up. I'm not sure how to take that. Oh. <laughs> I also love that you can easily change your delivery days or your food preferences and skip a week. Whatever you need. Here's a new offer for Secret Room listeners. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Secret12 and use code Secret12 for 12 free meals, including shipping. Ahead, I asked Robert if the doctors he had as an adult had also conspired to hide his childhood cancer. It seemed that way, didn't it? But first, Robert ponders forgiveness. As I'm getting older and my kids are growing and I'm mm-hmm. raised them very differently than I was raised, but I realized I have to put these emotions and resentment and anger and confusion, I have to put it someplace. My father's died. It's been a year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did you ever talk to him about this? No, no. You know, it's interesting because he was a super strong narcissistic personality and very argumentative. Mm-hmm. And I learned early on, you will never win an argument with him. You will just both walk away angry. So when I made a very, very deliberate decision to not speak with him anymore, I knew there would be no Hollywood ending to this. I knew there would be no deathbed reveal, confession, apology. Like I knew none of that was going to happen. And I was totally okay with that. People were like, well, if you don't speak to him and resolve it and he dies, I was like, yeah, I'm prepared for that. Yeah. And it was really hardly your fault. I mean, this is not a problem of your making. Exactly, man. That's the other. This isn't my thing to resolve for sure. He must have known that you found out the truth if you're your mom knew while he was still alive. and Yes. I assume she would have told him. Yes. But he still did not reach out to you. No, no, he didn't. And, you know, it still pisses me off. So can I forgive? I can easily move towards forgiveness to my siblings, which I feel that I have done, especially my sister. Like, I get it. We're good. One of my brothers still has a ton of his own issues to figure out. Another brother is just coming into his own in terms of his own homosexuality and all of this. So I can forgive them. It will be hard. I can definitely forgive my siblings. Some of the things they do still annoy the shit out of me and still trigger some, you know, hey, that reminds me of dad. So go fuck yourself. I'm not going to hang out with you right now. So... That's where that's at. I love them. How about your mom? My mom, yes. Uh, She's an old woman now, man. She did what she did to survive. She was abused too. It was a terrible thing. And you know what? That shit happens sometimes. And I wasn't there when I was there, but I was just much younger. And, you know, being older, I can understand some of that. She made her mistakes. I feel like in some ways she has apologized as best she can. So, yeah, I think I can forgive her the same way I forgive my siblings. But some of that behavior is still triggering and really angers me. So I manage that by choosing not to engage a lot of the time, to be honest, man. 
You know, I don't, I'm just not as close with her as I was. I'm just not close with my family. It's just something I'm not. I'll tell you what, Ben, we're real honest in our family. <laughs> like I, <laughs> my kids, they're like, we want to meet our grandpa. And I was like, nope, here's why you're not. And I tell them everything that I feel, if we're having issues, are there stuff going on? We try to be as age appropriate, honest as possible. Great. There's a dose of reality. Then they are not resentful later or they're like, I didn't know that. It's like, you know, maybe you don't remember, but I sure as hell didn't keep it from you. Right. <laughs> so I think forgiveness is there. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy for you in that. You know, I asked because I was putting myself in your shoes and I was wondering if I could forgive something like that. Yeah. I would hope that I could, but I can see the challenges associated with it and the, just so many complex emotions. But I wonder, you know, when your father died, mm -hmm. if that opened up an opportunity for everybody to just breathe a sigh of relief in your family and say, okay, we can all talk a little more openly now. Man, Ben, that is amazing, insightful question. And for my sister and, all, and I, we were like, yes, that is the case. We're all going to move forward in a new light. But it hasn't happened that way. And that's what I mean when I say some of my other siblings' behavior and my mother's even is still some of that old school mentality. And in some ways to manage life with my dad, you had to have some dishonesty and some deception. Because if you told him the truth, shit would go down badly. Sometimes my brother and mother still sort of act that way. And then it kind of comes up and my sister and I are like, we don't have to do that now. But they do, Ben, because they haven't done the work to really process everything and really understand everything and move forward. And man, that work is hard. It, it, it's hurtful. It, it cuts to the core, but then you kind of build back up. I say all the time in my head and with my wife, this isn't a Hollywood movie. This isn't going to work out unless <laughs> people put in work. Well, your dad casts a long shadow. Man, he did, dude. A big ass long shadow. That's the thing. Like you realize you have to try to do shit right with your kids. And when you don't do right by them, you've got to let them know I fucked up my bad. And you hope that that kind of works. Um, or you have to own it. I'm not doing that. I'm sorry if it makes you mad, but that's not happening. <laughs> so, Robert, when you were undergoing chemotherapy as a kid, did you lose your hair? Well, Ben, that's what's so crazy. I have all the characteristics of a chemotherapy patient, but I never knew because I was so young. I just didn't remember, but I absolutely lost my hair. And that goes into, remember I was telling you about all those stomach pains? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that was just because I had no appetite. Gosh, from the chemo. Yeah, from the chemo. I'd get these huge debilitating gas bubbles and my stomach, I would just be laid out with those for hours. Wow. My parents tried to find out what was going on, but really they were just scanning for more cancers or making sure the cancer wasn't coming back in a different place. I didn't really know what was going on then. I just had no clue. I thought, oh, I have stomach pains. Oh, I didn't even know about my hair. I just thought, oh, my hair is really short now. I didn't even think about it because I was so young. Amazing. Yeah, it was crazy. It was super crazy, man. So there's something I'm so curious about. Absolutely. 
Did your mother ever reveal to you why they kept the cancer a secret from you? I, I don't know because I think I may have asked why, but wasn't able to hear the answer because I was trying to compensate for her not telling me and couldn't possibly fathom a reason why she would. So I just couldn't hear it. And then, like I said, sort of as a self-preservation at a very fundamentally core level, I got other shit to do. I got to have my kids, raise my kids, work, try to be a different kind of dad. I could go back and ask her now, but I, I don't know two things. If I want to know why she did, because she may say something stupid and I'd be like, well, what the fuck? Or I may not care. What does it matter at this point? What does it matter what decision they made that long ago? Yeah. Because I'm gonna I'm not gonna change anything that I'm gonna do or that I have done. It's not gonna affect how I raise my kids, you know, or even me. I could possibly understand an argument for it as a kid, just to preserve your, you know, your youth, your childhood and not worry you. But you know, when you get to a certain age, seems to me like right i mean it's just so evident you know <laughs> that this information needs to be made known i mean it just has so many ramifications in your life ahead right 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 yeah and, i mean we could have started working on our kids five years before you know i mean we lost five years of time yeah and but also for your um your own health i mean yeah you need to have this monitored by your doctors as you proceed through life to make sure that it's not recurring right Right. It's just so important. And then, of course, you had this stomach ache, which was associated with, with the cancer, right? That took you to the emergency room with your wife? It wasn't associated with the cancer. My dad on the phone just told the doctor he had cancer. So be aware of that. And the doctor was like, well, it's not on his track. He didn't say anything about it. So, wow. all right. So your dad told your doctor while you were in the room, mm -hmm. he told him on the phone mm -hmm. that you had cancer. Yes. Was it the responsibility of the doctor to tell you? It seems so odd to me that he was, you know, in on this big state secret. <laughs> I'll be real honest. If I can be empathetic for a minute, it's emergency room doc. It's 1230 on a Saturday night. He knows what the problem is and how to fix it. Yeah. Does he really want to open that can of worms with me? There's some medical ethics in there, I think, but I, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm not mad at him. It's not his shit to resolve or to fix. He could have told me, but it probably would have been another hour in the, <laughs> dealing with me for him. And he probably was tired. And then when you were at the other doctor checking on your sperm count, they said you should check with your parents. What, what motivated that comment? I think he was like, we need more information about why your sperm count is low and why your testicles are small. And he may have been speculating, did you have some type of chemotherapy or did you have some type of medical treatment you don't know about trying to be or she actually she was trying to be I think just have a neutral playing field until they had information once I found out I had chemo she's like well do you remember the type of drugs and I said no and she's like well you know that would be more helpful it's like I'm sorry I don't know because you know it's fucking 25 years ago nobody fucking told me so leave me alone <laughs> <laughs> wow and so there's no way to find out what kind of cancer that you had the hospital system of which i was a member of that time has like millions mm -hmm. and millions of patients 
you know, they converted from paper to digital at some point, you know, I could really do a deep, super deep dive and see if I could find it. But I have work, I have taxes, I have my kids applying to colleges, the kids applying to high schools to find out, you know, what this cancer was is not on like my top list of 20. I just wonder if there are any tests you should be having. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like what the doctor says, if you haven't had any cancer scares in like 20 years or so, we consider you in full remission. You know, we're not even going to screen you. There's nothing to worry about. That's great news. If there's one kudo that we can give to your parents, that is that they, you know, they took care of your cancer. They, they got you the right treatment. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you're right. They, they, they did manage it. They did get me to the right doctors and I'm healthy and happy and good to go. And honestly, man, dude, I have two amazing children. They're amazing. So, you know, it's all good. I mean, at the end of the day, Ben, I think I'm definitely a good father with regard to not making the same mistakes as my parents made. I'm sure I've made some new ones. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, I didn't make those same devastating ones. So, that really is super important to me. Does your current doctor know that you had cancer? Yeah. You know, of unknown type? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, yeah. what did your doctor say about this, you know, fantastic story? For me, for the longest time, I was like, okay, that's weird. It's no big deal. But the healthcare lady of my health plan at one of my jobs were so astonished. And my doctor, too, they're just aghast. They're just completely astonished. And he was, too. He's like, oh, my God, this is insane. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A guest is the perfect word. I mean, I had that reaction too. I, you know, I told a number of people, you know, leading up to our interview about the topic that we were going to cover and they, and each person I told had the same reaction, which was just like, oh my God, how, how is that possible? <laughs> right. Thank you. You're welcome. I think by kind of telling this story and talking to you about it and putting it out into the world, it brings me closer to just overall peace, if that makes sense. It absolutely makes sense. And I wish that for you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Robert, thank you so much for sharing this amazing story with us. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity, Ben. It feels amazing to share it. Every time I tell it, it brings different levels of clarity. And you've definitely found some silver linings in it. It's a terrible secret, but you've taken some positive things out of it. Yeah, I, you have to. Else, what's the point of... What's the point of living if you can't learn from it, man? I feel like at least. Well said. Well, thank you again. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Ben. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right. Wow. How do you feel? <laughs> it's crazy, Ben. I feel, I feel good. I feel kind of like... Yeah. It's always good to talk about it with somebody. You know, Today we heard a story of an existential struggle that pits injustice against the rewards it may reap. To wit, Robert denied a critical truth about his health, sustained setbacks on life's journey. But contrary to intuition, the wrongs he suffered yielded progeny he would never sacrifice, even for the proffer to vanquish the injustice. So how shall we define the tenuous space in which Robert exists? The answer lies in the lesson of today's story. Take account of life's pitfalls, embrace the silver linings, and blaze a path from under the long shadow so that others may follow. And do you have some pictures for the audience? 
I can think about some pictures I could send. You can see pictures of Robert as a kid and as an adult right now on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our handle on every platform is at Secret Room Pod. On the next Secret Room Unlocked. My name is Connie, and my secret is that 12 years ago, my husband and I made a decision that we felt was best for the rest of our family. It's a decision we kept from our children. No one ever talks about it, and I'm torn if we should tell our kids. I wouldn't even know how to bring it up. It's the story of a high-risk pregnancy, quintuplets, and a secret decision. Join me, Susie Lark, as I introduce Ben's interview, available exclusively on The Secret Room Unlocked, a premium edition of the podcast for those who support. Find us at patreon.com slash secret room. And don't forget, all sponsor codes, past and present, are available at secretroompod.com slash codes. It's another way to support your favorite indie podcast that could. Do you have an inimical secret to share? Send it to me now at secretroompod.com. Our production team includes Susie Lark, Luna Patel, Alessandra Nigro, and the Street Secret Team. Chet is the sound engineer, and our music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. We've hit the ground running on our next secret already, and we'll deliver it rain or shine, same time, same channel, in just two weeks. Okay, you ready? Ready. From Washington, D.C. This is The Secret Room, a podcast about the stories no one ever tells. Dang, that was good. All right, awesome. I'm Ben Ham. We're going to say pod on to each other, which is the sign off uh, for the show. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Pod on, Robert. Pod on, Ben. Awesome. Yay. Hi, it's Luis here. And I want to tell you about a show we've been listening to called The Pulso Podcast. There are a lot of podcasts that cover Latino culture and news, but this is one of the first we've heard that really utilizes the throughline of history to provide more context and nuance to our stories. From the halls of Congress to the stages of Broadway, even the food we consider to be American, Latinos helped build this country. And we're not going anywhere. Yet most podcasts are still lacking Latino representation behind and in front of the mic. The Pulso Podcast is a Latina-hosted, Latina-produced show that explores untold stories and unheard voices shaping the experiences of nuestra gente. They've covered topics from beauty standards and gender equality to mental health and food origins. And did you know that there is an official Spanish version of the Star-Spangled Banner? Or that a team of Mexican lawyers changed the future of segregation laws in the 50s? To hear more, Check out the Pulso podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.